0: Last week, we talked about baby-led weaning. This week, I'm digging into the eating habits of toddlers. I'm on the brink of toddlerhood with my son, Matthew, and I am determined to stave off all of those horror stories that I hear about time and again. Let's continue our conversation with the one and only Megan McNamee of Feeding Littles. This is All Good in the Motherhood with Teresa Priolo, part of the Fox 5 Podcast Network. (laughs) All right, so... Part one, we talked about baby led weaning. That segues perfectly because once you hit about a year, my understanding is then you're sort of jumping into the toddler feeding aspect of all of this. And if Mm -hmm. people thought introducing foods was tough to their kids, forget about actually getting them to continue to eat, as you say, when they're in that tricky stage of a year to two years.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And actually that's when they start to become food neophobic, it can last for many years.
0: <laughs> so how do we Sorry. so so if so if you're a parent that didn't do baby led weaning, if you're a parent that didn't know about mm-hmm. it, you weren't comfortable with it, or you frankly mm-hmm. thought, My kid's doing fine, why am I gonna try to introduce some fancy name title? Again, we know that it's the way that people have been eating for hundreds of years, but maybe they just think this is more of an Instagram phase and craze than anything else. Mm -hmm. So let's say you've gotten now to 12 months and your kid is starting to exhibit some signs of being a picky eater. How can you intervene in a way that doesn't make the problem worse down the road?
1: Good question. And this can happen no matter how you started foods. There are obviously certain things that parents sometimes wish they had done differently. But um, most kids at some point get some sort of selective it could be extreme it could be mild they ate one thing one day and then they ate it they don't eat it the next day and it's infuriating because as adults you're probably relatively consistent with your meals you like certain foods you kind of gravitate towards them you feel good eating a certain amount maybe it changes each day but for the most part most people like to eat three meals and maybe some snacks and they have relatively normal hunger they have relatively normal patterns that goes out the window when you're a toddler. Toddlers are extraordinarily fickle about what they like, um, how much they want to eat. They will eat like a bird one day and like a bear the next. This is all considered normal. It doesn't mean you did anything wrong. It doesn't mean that your child is weird or something's bad with them. It just literally means that they're, um, there's something going on probably with, with their appetite, their development. Maybe they're teasing. Maybe they're sick or they're about to get sick. That is changing how much they're eating. That
0: sounds. Now, in, that sounds infuriating.
1: What <laughs> and, what, and what we talk about a lot in our toddler course is trusting their intake with the kind of the concept you provide, child decides, which is um, based kind of loosely off of the Ellen Satter um, division of responsibility. We kind of alter it a little bit, a little bit further, um, but the idea is that you offer the food at you know regular meals and snack times and their job is to eat it or not. Um, and we obviously go into it a lot more in our toddler course and kind of the you know idiosyncrasies of that because there's a lot to that. But the more you intervene and the more you either force them to eat something, bribe them to eat something in order to get something else like you have to eat through your veggies in order to get the bread that you want on the plate or in order to get dessert um, or maybe you um are, you know, maybe you're you're teaching them something about food that, or, or, or I should say, maybe you're, you're making something different for them because they don't eat. So say you have, you know, chicken, green beans, rice for dinner, and they don't eat it, they don't touch it at all, but then you, um, you're like, oh, you know what, you're going to be hungry, fine, I'll just make you mac and cheese. All of these things teach your child. They're not trying to be manipulative, they're literally just learning from you. They're learning from what you're doing and saying and they're responding. So do you For make course.
0: the mac and cheese? Do you get, but they have to eat, so you think to yourself, do you do what my parents well, sometimes my parents did with me, which is this is the dinner that I'm serving. You eat if you're hungry Correct. and if you don't if you're not yep. hungry then you don't eat. Or do you acquiesce? What's the best thing?
1: So there's a lot to this, but we generally recommend that you've provided the food, you've done your job, they eat or they don't. Now if you're giving your child all new things probably not going to be successful that's not quite fair to them because they've never seen any of these foods before and nothing's safe on their plates Mm -hmm. but if you've offered you know three four different foods and one or two of them at least are familiar and comfort comfortable foods like you know bread with butter um or fruit or something like that a toddler will be okay filling up on that for a meal they will i promise if you give them mac and cheese what they're learning from you is, I don't need to eat anything new. I don't need to try anything on my plate because I'm, mom's just going to make me mac and cheese. Well, of course. That's my favorite food. I'm going to do it every time. Um, so that is so interesting, we, Megan.
0: I, I know uh-huh. so many, just to interject, I know so many parents that say to me, all my kid eats is mac and cheese. All my kid eats is chicken fingers. All my kid eats is uh, gra- cut up grapes. All my, Or right. my kid won't take a vegetable, for, vegetable from me. They'll only accept vegetables from the teacher at daycare. What do I do? And I often think to myself, but the baby, the child learns from you. They see what you eat. If you're never eating a salad in front of them, they're not going to eat a salad. But then they will do things for some people and not for others.
1: Right. Yeah. And it's so, you know, the, the picky eating part of our course is actually two hours long. It's like having two private sessions with Judy because this is complicated. It is broken up into like 10-minute video, so it's not, you know, too scary to watch. But um, it, it's it's so many factors, right? Um, children learn to eat what they're served. So if we keep serving them chicken fingers over and over again because they didn't eat anything else, they're only going to accept learn to accept chicken fingers. I'm not saying this out of a place of judgment or that you've done anything wrong or you're a bad parent if this is your kid's situation. I'm just saying that so many times nobody tells us this stuff and we just do what we are in, you know, in our in efforts right. to be a good parents. you and think make, if they like sure chicken fingers eat. on
0: Monday, then if it worked right. on Monday, do it on Tuesday.
1: Yeah, exactly. So what ends up happening, though, is we're literally, by our actions, unknowingly teaching them to be more selective. Sometimes kids are more selective because they do have sensory issues or they do have developmental issues around chewing. So... Um, sometimes if you're serving meat and your child perceives it, it's really hard to chew and they just kind of chew it and spit it out. That could just be because they're learning about meat or maybe, you know, it's really tough or something. But it also could be because they might have an oral motor delay that prevents them from effectively chewing that type of texture. And that's why they do gravitate toward chicken fingers because a lot of them are softer and easier to chew, um, you know, so it, it is kind of complicated as to why all of these things could happen, and that's what kind of we break down in the toddler course. Mm-hmm. But um, essentially, if, you, if you're only giving them the same foods over and over again, they're only going to learn to eat those foods. And that's kind of the problem. So many of us, we just want to do it simple and what we know our kids will eat. And sometimes that's what you have to do. Like if your kid's melting down and it's 530 and you don't have dinner ready and they literally need to go to bed, yeah, make them something simple, try to make it balanced, try again tomorrow. But if that becomes your MO and every single meal they get something different than what the family's eating, um, it will be a struggle, it will continue to be a struggle until you change something. They are not going to suddenly become more adventurous. You're going to have to help them and guide them in that process.
0: Is there a point of no return with um, parents and toddlers who have you know especially toddlers that are picky eaters i mean you say the the process normally starts the picky the the picky eater normally emerges between a year and two years but let's say Mm Hypothetically speaking, you have a baby who is roughly 14, 15 months, who used to love bananas, now not eating bananas, used to love chicken fingers, doesn't want the chicken fingers anymore, and, and is starting to emerge, and you're starting to feel like it's spiraling out of control. Obviously, you want to intervene whenever you can, but if you cannot reel it in, is there a point where you have to really be concerned about how this will affect them as an adult? Well, if
1: at any point they're eating affect the the norm, their normal life like they can't go to a birthday party they can't go to um, you know a park play date where there's food you know maybe people brought food to share they can't go to grandma's house and, and find a few things to eat then then that is a kind of a red flag so if you if your child's eating is affecting the entire family um, it's stressing you out beyond belief if they really are only eating you know five foods kind of thing that is a point at which we would still probably recommend taking the Teller course first because there could be so many things that you don't even realize that could be affecting it, but you might need to take it a step further and get some individualized help. There's really never, we never say there's a point of no return because therapeutically so much can be done, um, but we kind of want to prevent people from getting to that point. Yeah, no, of course. Therapy is expensive and it's time consuming and reversing challenging eating behaviors can take a long time. It's usually not like, oh, I did, you know, especially when they're 3, four, five, six, oh, I did one thing and suddenly they're an amazing eater all of a sudden. As they get older, it gets harder. It does get harder to kind of reverse some of those behaviors. So that's why like prevention, when you can, is kind of the you know, best remedy. Um, and so much of a, about it is really what you as a parent do. Like, and that's the thing that, that nobody tells you. That's why we even wrote this toddler course. It's, it's such an interesting view of your child, it's like, it's literally standing in their shoes developmentally and looking at their life and their environment and trying to figure out how to make it more conducive to a positive eating experience from what they perceive.
0: For moms like myself that are still breastfeeding or even those that are still Mm -hmm. bottle feeding, just, and I'm sure this is in the course, but what's the recommendation? People keep saying three meals, three three bottles, three meals is the general recommendation for a baby that is about A year old, but I thought that at some point I was supposed to start giving Matthew cow's milk. I thought that's what I was supposed to start doing. Um, But but then my doctor was like, you don't need to. You could give him goat milk. You can give him tiger milk. You can give him. I don't know, bison milk, whatever. And I was like, dad, I don't even know the there is Oh my God. <laughs> how about oat milk? Yeah. There's a craze for oat milk now. So if you are somebody in my shoes where I'm trying to now, Matthew's uh, thankfully at this point, a good eater, a healthy eater, an explore, exploratory eater, so to speak. Um, but I'm still trying to figure out the balance between how do I give him uh, breast milk and the nutrients that come along with that and how do I continue to feed him adult meals or human meals. Wh- right. What? How do we strike that balance for moms that are in the same boat that I am in?
1: That's a really good question. And we do have a whole uh, weaning ebook on this. Um, And the reason why it's such a big question is because everyone is going to do something a little bit different. So in your case, um, I tell breastfeeding moms, decide what you want to do first. You don't have to stop breastfeeding at once you can if you'd like. That's kind of the guidance. We recommend at least 24 ounces of breast milk or formula until your child's around 12 months old. I actually haven't heard the three bottles and three meals. That's an interesting term. I I totally see where that's coming from because for an older baby, oftentimes the bottle is, you know, eight ounces. Mm -hmm. So eight ounces times three, 24 ounces. So that kind of makes sense. Um, But we do recommend around 24 ounces until they're one and three meals a day. Once they turn one, you can also start incorporating snacks. Now, the milk thing really depends on what your goals are, what you choose to do. So like in your case, are you breastfeeding him when you're home with him? Yeah.
0: So I work in the evening. So for me, I breastfeed him first thing in the morning. That's our uh, one really good session. And then um, if I can, I try to sneak in another one uh, late morning, early afternoon. And then he has bottles the rest of the day, and then I obviously continue to pump throughout the rest of the day. Um, but okay. you know, his bottles are anywhere from five to seven ounces. So he's taking in a good okay. amount, despite having like a hungry man meal prior to it. Yep. So he, like yep. I said, I, I joke that he's a garbage disposal, but he's taking in a lot.
1: Yeah, and that's totally good and normal. I think sometimes parents worry like this too much. Your child doesn't know how to overeat. He's never had to. He only listens to what his body signals are telling him. As long as you don't force him to finish his bottles, right? Mm -hmm. So, um he I tell parents all the time, like if they're like if they're hungry man, hungry woman, give them challenge them with lots of cool different flavors because they're really open minded at this point. They will slow down, um, in their intake. But think about, you know, babies are trying to double their birth weight by the time they're six months old and they are in some cases tripling their birth weight. A lot of babies it's not quite that much. But, you know, around there by the time they're one. Well, you have to eat a lot of food to do that.
0: Yeah, you gotta take in (laughs) a lot.
1: Yeah, and then you add in movement, energy for growth and energy for development, taking in their whole world, it's a lot. And so some babies really need a lot. Some babies are more on the lower side and they really, it's kind of a struggle to get them to take in enough and their growth is a little bit slower. But as long as your child's growth is predictable, as in they're kind of growing along their curve and your doctor's not concerned, then you know trust that they're gonna get what they need to get. So in your case specifically, As they get closer to one, you have some options. Um, We do recommend breastfeeding or bottle, you know, formula feeding until at least one. With breastfeeding, um, it is actually recommended by many organizations to go till two or beyond. Breastfeeding? Oh, I
0: can't do that. Oh, no, no. I'm going to tap out before two. That's okay. Long before it, I'm giving it up.
1: (laughs) And I only mention it because parents, some parents get to that one and they're like, I don't want this to be over. I don't know how to transition. I don't, like, why does this have to stop? It doesn't if you don't want it to. If you're over it, you don't want to do it anymore. And in your case, it's really difficult because pumping is hard, I would assume, in your job. Yeah. Um, that's, my, that's my holdup.
0: I love the act of be, it, but no.
1: So you actually could, I'm not trying to convince you one way or the other, but I'm just explaining to you, people don't realize this. You actually could just breastfeed when you're together. So that is an option. Oh, you wow. could just breastfeed once or twice a day okay and that's what a lot of parents choose to do they just stop pumping at work and um, in the milk and weaning ebook that we have we explain different ways to drop breastfeed slowly because you can't just be like okay 12 months in one day I'm not pumping anymore your body will not respond very well to that (laughs) hello mastitis (laughs) um, yeah yeah a smidge amount of mastitis going on with that yeah so you need to um, probably taper down um, so that might mean, you know, pumping for less amount of time or fewer amounts of ounces at mm-hmm. each pump session. Or maybe you just, you know, slowly start working on eliminating one pump session and then you work on the other one. Um, but a lot of families do that just fine. They only, they only breastfeed when they're together with their child. And if they go out of town, you know, if they're not together for multiple days at a time, they might have to pump once or twice just for release. But um, that is an option for you if you'd like to continue doing that. One of the benefits of breastfeeding longer is that um, when your child gets sick or is teething, it's a nice, like, nutritional backup. Um, And it's comforting for them. It really does benefit their immune system. So just something to consider. If you're done, you're done. And congratulate yourself for what you've gotten to. And that's wonderful, too. Mm -hmm. So there's no, like, we don't pass judgment about that. We just share, um, because so many people don't hear that you can breastfeed into childhood. They've never seen anyone do it. They don't know about it. But it's actually considered recommended if you'd like to keep going um i actually breastfed both my girls past two and past two you know mm -hmm. so (sighs) what uh uh, my first was 28 months i guess and my second was like 25 months and they only at the end were nursing once a day
0: now's a perfect time for a bathroom break all good in the motherhood coming right back right after this One of the hard things about breastfeeding and certainly pumping is that it's the best form of intrusion, but it is a big intrusion. I mean, it, it really does take up a huge part of your day.
1: Right. When you're doing it six, seven, 12 times a day. Yeah. yeah. When you're doing it once a day, no. Right. Not nearly as hard. And you're, you're, by the time you're a toddler, your milk supply is pretty well established. So it's not as much of a concern as like when they're really little and you're still trying to to kind of activate those lactogen receptors in your body and teach your body how to make make milk. A lot of people, you know, we don't hear, I've actually consulted with multiple IBCLCs on this, you don't hear about milk supply issues nearly as much in toddlerhood. I mean, some toddlers are just not interested. They naturally self-lean at different ages. And so, you know, the less they they nurse, the less milk you make, and then it just kind of stops. But um, if you are willing to continue and your baby's interested in continuing, a lot of parents do it successfully like once or twice a day and that's
0: it. Well, that's great to hear because it is something that I've been thinking about like, oh, how do I, how do I back this up? But at the same time, right. you know, it is such a wonderful part of the day. It's just, right. I have the so many other things the that the are like required colored. in a day.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that, that part is hard, like, especially if you're working outside of the home. And you have to pump and you have to, or like for exclusively pumping moms, that part really is hard, like the cleaning and the storage of the milk and the, you know, sitting and pumping that is hard. And that's why a lot of parents choose, um, so a lot of parents with a more traditional schedule, like where they work like a nine to five type job, will just nurse in the morning and then like after work and before bed or just in the morning and before bed.
0: So uh, as we conclude this, I think, you know, the, the, the question that I have is, how, I mean, for for those people who are listening to this thinking, either A, it's just so daunting to think about how to construct a meal, or B, I feel like I've done it all wrong. What do we tell okay. them about about the process of feeding, nurturing your baby um, in terms of preparing a meal for them? You know, like we, we sure. joke that for our parents, it was second nature. They just did what they wanted to do and we all turned out okay. But now we really get the chance. The, it's the blessing and the curse of, Thinking about it and overanalyzing it, um, and I think there are a lot of parents that are just really concerned that they might make a misstep and it may have serious, severe implications down the road. Whether it's, as you said, being a picky eater and needing intervention from a therapist, or perhaps down the road having an eating disorder, and it's. Crazy to think about a toddler, what you do when your child is 12, 12 months, affecting them when they are a teenager or a preteen. But the evidence shows that things that happen now can manifest later.
1: Right. Well, I, I hope that everyone, in our, our above all, what we don't want to do is shame parents or make them feel... Like they did it all wrong. I think in this day and age, it's so easy for us to to not trust ourselves first and foremost. And Judy and I just talked about this yesterday. We almost want to put out like a series of like eighty posts that basically talk about like how your intuition and what you know about your child and what you know is right for your family matters above all else. Um, as long as you're doing, you're feeding your child out of a place of love. That's all that matters, and one of the most important things the literature suggests and what we've seen time and time again is to eat together. It doesn't even matter what that food is. But as long as you can try to eat together as often as you can or have your child eat with another caregiver or adult or other children, that is step one. So if you feel like you're, being, you're overwhelmed or your kid's not doing well or whatever but you ate breakfast together today or you're, you're planning to have like a family meal tonight even though you think it might be stressful, your kid's not going to eat, you're still doing the most important thing, and if you can't, if you can't eat together like during the week because your schedule is so crazy, just do it when you're on the weekend. Just right. do it whenever you can. It's not about being perfect.
0: One um, of the things, one of the things that I love, um, and anybody who checks out your Instagram will see this, is your inclusiveness of moms that come from all different backgrounds. If, and for our listeners, you will see that. I I don't see, I'm sure Judy does this too, but you are so active on the Feeding Littles Instagram account. You know, you always talk about food shaming and how, you know, what one person puts on a plate doesn't need to be what another person puts on a plate or can even afford to put on a plate. So if you're the mom that threw a bunch of Cheerios in a bowl and said, here's breakfast. Well, that's okay. Because... Cheerios yep. can be great. Actually, cheerios are amazing. Yep. And as yep. an adult, I appreciate them even more than I, than I did when I was a kid, you know. But some other, somebody else might be making the spinach donuts from the Inspiralized Feeding Littles e-cookbook that you guys have, which my kid, by the way, now takes like three or four of them in at a pop. And it's a weekend tradition for me to make them for him, store them, and give them one a morning. And he loves yep. them, and I love that he loves them. Um, But I love, I, I, that's just something that I so appreciate that you guys are so inclusive of, of parents and moms from all different socioeconomic and ethnic backgrounds.
1: Thank you. And that's, you know, something that I, I kind of, we really want to emphasize because even, you know, so I'll do, you know, my, my food halls, like my grocery halls and stuff. And I have access to a lot of great grocery stores um, where I live in Scottsdale, Arizona, where it's kind of the Mecca of shopping. So we have everything here. I know not everyone has everything. I know not everyone is able to afford the same foods that I buy or that as somebody else that they see. I mean, we, it's so easy to get caught up when you're on Instagram or on some social media platform and you see that everyone's putting bee pollen in this and like kelp granules and that. And you're like, what are these things feeding and eating doesn't have to be complicated it doesn't have to be these like really obscure strange you know foods we like to talk about you know foods that we normally eat that have added benefits like yeah Trader Joe's now has awesome like cauliflower crust pizza that's great but if you don't want to eat that or you can't eat that or you just want regular pizza dang it like that's fine too we all are going to eat so differently and we all have different you know values around food um we have different schedules, there's so many reasons we eat certain things, and so what we we really want to emphasize is, like, you know, you see a mom at the grocery store, and maybe you look in her cart and you judge what she has, but you have no idea what the backstory is. Like... She could be you know she could have just lost her husband she could her you know she her husband could be deployed she could be deployed and she just came back and she's just trying to fill the cabinets as fast as she can it's so hard to know everyone's backstory yeah and the coolest thing about like being a dietitian is i get to see so many backstories that people don't necessarily realize because we only look through our own lens um and so what we hope first and foremost to kind of help people with is Learning how to trust themselves, learning how to trust their body when they're hungry, when they're full, and then learning about the fact that food, above all else, is a time to connect and a time to be together and a time to nourish ourselves. And thank God we are lucky enough to put food on the table. That's number one, right? Um, and for those of you that aren't, we try to offer resources to talk about how to, to have access to food because it's really easy to get caught up in, like, oh, my gosh, my kid doesn't eat kale, blah, blah, blah. But when you're scared that you don't have anything to, to feed your kid, period, you know, we're talking about basic needs, and we're talking about um, a family who who really needs some grace. Like, a full belly is still a blessing. So, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that you're able to, that that you've seen that that's a priority for us to, to talk about that and to kind of relay that kind of sense, because you know it's it's nice to talk about the cauliflower crust pizza but like sometimes we're just going to get pizza from the cheapest place we can find it and i really wish i lived in new york sometimes because you guys <laughs> have the best pizza out there
0: and it's 99 but, cents so there goes that <laughs> i know and
1: it's so cheap yeah, but you know yeah. um no it's I guess, great like if we go if we go to bed with, you know, something in our tummy, like, aren't we lucky? Because there's yeah. a huge
0: percentage of the world that does it. Megan, thank you so much. It's been such a thank joy you. to talk to you. Um me l- too. Let me just make sure that everybody knows where to find you. So we've said it a thousand times, you're feeding littles, but you are on Instagram. That's the place that I yeah. found you through. Uh, shout out to Ali Mafuchi from Inspiralize because she does baby led weaning. I follow her. She then tagged you and the sort of the cycle continues. Yeah. Um and we you, love
1: Allie. Allie's amazing. And like I got, said, when we come out we're gonna come out to New York soon, I hope. So we'll couple we'll make sure to meet up um, meet up with you. It would be fun.
0: Please I'll let Allie bring the spinach donuts, okay, because um,
1: hers are better than mine. Yeah, she can but, make <laughs> we're gonna make Allie cook for us.
0: Yeah, that's that's um, amazing. But um, yeah. so you're on Instagram, you're on what are you what are you on Facebook? Is it still feeding littles?
1: Yep. Facebook.com slash Feeding Littles. We actually have two Facebook groups. We, we actually started as a Facebook group. We didn't – this was pre-Instagram. Um, so our free Facebook group is Facebook.com slash groups slash Feeding Littles group.
0: Okay, I'm going to put that in the description. How it started.
1: Okay, and then we also have – if you purchase one of our courses or if you're local and you come to one of my classes or you're Judy's client, um, we do have a private Facebook group that you get access to as a client. And so that's really nice because then you're kind of amongst people that have kind of taken our stuff and they know the philosophies and they're really um, well-educated on these things. That's a really wonderful spot, too. Um, That's called Feeding Littles Clients Only. Um, And then we are on Instagram, at Feeding Littles. We're on Pinterest, at Feeding Littles. I think that's the majority of our platforms. How about YouTube? (laughs) Are you on YouTube? We are not on YouTube oh. yet. That is on our bucket list, but, you know, we actually do a lot of private videos in our Facebook group. So we're not on YouTube just because our our videos that uh, we call them foodie Judy videos that Judy does mm-hmm. every week, they're actually just in our private Facebook group. Um, and then we also have um, a website, so com. and then, you know, there's a ton of resources in there. We have a blog that has tons and tons of um, good information like selecting a high chair or how to teach your child how to chew or what our favorite supplements use? for babies yeah. and children. Like there's, it's just kind of endless. So um, if you have, you know, if you want to just head to feedinglittles. Com and, and look around, there's a lot of good stuff. I will, I will say that Judy and I met because of a really special little boy who passed away named Jack. So Judy's actually in Colorado and I'm in Arizona, um, and we're connected because of this little angel Jack. So if you want to learn more about him, he's on our website too. So anyway, we have lots of ways to get in touch.
0: I, I happened to see you post about Jack and I was so intrigued so I clicked on it and I went down that rabbit hole and mm-hmm. it happened quickly and I was now looking at his tears h- yes tears it's um and his m- mom posting videos of him and th- that's another story for another day but he seemed like a really special little boy and so I'm I'm so grateful that he put the two of you together because we're now all benefiting from your wisdom with feeding littles um and I hope that maybe down the road, you know there's a, a way that we can influence more people because it's it's like just really kind of amazing what you guys have been able to do. so thank you, thank, thank you. you thank, and if people thank want, people want to get in on your courses, we have mentioned that there is a baby um, and a toddler course. You can take one or the other uh, they can do that both on your website, right?
1: Correct. And most of our clients start with the, the infant course, and there's actually a coupon in the infant course for the toddler course. Um, and they kind of take them in sequence so we recommend like ideally taking the infant course by the time your child is six months old but if they're older and they're not self-feeding then you know take it then and then we recommend taking the toddler course anytime as of around 10 months or so once you buy them you have them you don't have to you know it's not like oh I took it and I can't go back it expired you know it doesn't expire so you can always you know take it when like in your case you can take it Teresa when he's you know 10 months old and then you can take it again when he's three if you want to go refresh
0: perfect and i will and on that note i'm hungry now it's time for lunch so <laughs> i know right uh, so thank, thank you. you so much megan i so appreciate it
1: thank you same to you it was lovely talking to you
0: this is all good in the motherhood with teresa priolo part of the fox 5 podcast network this episode was recorded edited mixed made awesome by Matt madonimus The executive producers are myself, Matt Onimus, and Imad Ashgar. Byron Harmon is VP of News, and our vice president and general manager of Fox 5 is Luleone. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or comments, you just want to say hi, reach out to me on Twitter at Fox 5 Teresa or on Facebook, Teresa Priolo NY. And stay tuned for our next episode.